Now, Oxford Economics Africa has uh, released its watch list for 2024. It highlights key developments to keep an eye on next year. These include uh, major devaluation of calls, potential coups, uh, the birth of an industry and an economic renaissance in uh, Kenya. Head of Africa Macro at Oxford Economics Africa, Jacques Nell, joins us to weigh in with his perspective on these key uh, trends. Uh, Jacques, good afternoon. Uh, always a pleasure. Hi, Nolu. Happy to be here. All right, Doc, uh, we've made quite a few calls uh, looking at 2024. I want to start with uh, the currency ones. Uh, let's talk about them and why they're the least controversial call to date. Well, they're the least controversial. So we're talking about the Egyptian pound and Ethiopian birria because I think most analysts would say the question is when and how large the devaluations will be and not if they will devalue. So just going with Egypt first, if you look at non-deliverable forwards, markets expect a considerably weaker pound in six months to a year's time. And it's also no secret that the Egyptian government brought forward elections to now scheduled for next week and pushed back the IMF review so that they can do a devaluation after elections, but before the review. So they've been delaying the devaluation because of the impact on inflation. Inflation is currently trending at around 36%, which is really high. And that's not a good way to go into elections. So we do expect them to devalue after elections before the IMF review. And then looking at Ethiopia, they're also running out of Forex. Uh, our estimates suggest they can only fund around two weeks of imports at the moment. Their plan was to let FDI inflows uh, shore up the Forex reserves. But going by the recent uh, auction of their telecoms license, it looks like foreign investors prefer to sit on the sidelines and just wait till they sort of sort out this external liquidity problem. The situation has been exacerbated by some external debt repayments due soon. And last week we heard that official creditors say that the country needs an IMF deal before they can continue with their uh, debt restructuring talks. And that has to happen before the end of March next year. So for that deal, similar to Egypt, they're going to have to devalue. So we expect the devaluation before the end of March next year. It's very interesting what we'll be watching for. I'm keen to get more thoughts on coups. Of course, we've seen unprecedented coups on the continent here. Um, and there's an expectation that we could see two more. So also in a similar region to where we've seen the rest, isn't it, Jack? Yes, um, I think it's important to make the point that the probability of a coup is really low. Mm. But as we've seen in the last two years, they do happen. Um, so two countries we want to flag are Tunisia and Cameroon. So starting with Tunisia, uh, President Syed is very unpopular at the moment domestically. The country is also in some uh, pretty dire straits when it comes to the economy, also facing some external liquidity problems like Ethiopia and Egypt, except President Syed seems to be uh, shunning external support, especially from Europe. And he's also taken a very antagonistic uh, stance towards the IMF. And uh, while domestically he's also curtailing uh, domestic political freedoms. So we expect that um, uh, the, probably the military will try to remove him from power before uh, next year's December elections, just so he doesn't have the apparatus of state to sort of support his uh, presidential campaign. And then just Cameroon, uh, President Bia has been in power for over 40 years now. He's 90 years old. He's evidently becoming uh, more frail and less able to lead. And at the moment, the country needs leadership. Uh, to improve the security situation and the economic situation. So there too, we expect uh, some military leaders to sort of take the initiative and to assume power before it becomes too clear that he isn't able to lead and it sort of becomes a power free fall. 
That's like a bit of a, a concerning one there, Jacques. I'm keen to look into some better news now, maybe looking at Kenya and that economy um, and the outlook for uh, what uh, many are calling, uh, you know, the, the, one of the strongest currencies in East Africa. Yes, yeah, so the Kenyan economy did really, really well in the lead up to the pandemic, but then some fiscal uh, fragility started showing. Uh, over the past year, the country has endured quite a few credit rating downgrades. At the moment, all three credit rating agencies have it on a negative outlook. Uh, and markets have also taken uh, quite a dim view. At the moment, Kenyan debt is trading or benchmark spreads are trading at 10 percentage points uh, above benchmarks, which is sort of distressed territory. But President Ruta is impressed since his election. He's made some quite difficult fiscal decisions. He's cut fuel subsidies for the most part, which is very important for the fiscus. His first fiscal budget was also surprisingly prudent. But I think most importantly, he's really built up strong relationships, multilateral organizations. They've committed uh, billions of dollars to the Kenyan economy. And importantly, they've also sort of given their nod of approval to the economy. So that sort of paves the way for private investors to also then jump on board. So there are, of course, a lot of risks. You know, the country is still facing a cost of living crisis. But uh, we do think that markets are taking an overly pessimistic view of the Kenyan market at the moment. Very exciting things for that part of the world. Let's speak about green hydrogen in Africa. Uh, that's a big one. Uh, and I'm wondering, uh, you know, why we're seeing so optimism, uh, so much optimism there, Jacques, but also uh, the risk of stumbling, uh, you know, uh, this or fumbling rather uh, this opportunity. Well, we're pretty optimistic about the green hydrogen sector in general, just because a critical step in moving towards a greener global economy would be to decarbonize sectors that are difficult to decarbonize, like heavy industry and long haul transport. And that is specifically what green hydrogen has a comparative advantage in. Uh, why we are optimistic about Africa's heat green hydrogen sector is just because of the renewable resources that the continent has and the role that that plays in uh, producing green hydrogen. Not just that, uh, so the continent would be able to create very cost uh, competitive green hydrogen, but there are also some developmental uh, implications of the sector. Like I mentioned, green hydrogen is really good for heavy industry, so that could be a boost to Africa's heavy industry sector. Uh, it could also boost exports, and green hydrogen derivatives are used to create fertilizers which is, of course, critical for agricultural sector, which has just increased in importance with uh, unpredictable weather and will be very important for food security. Some of the stumbling blocks, of course, are that there isn't really a green hydrogen industry uh, globally at the moment, so that still has to take off. A lot of countries have plans to produce green hydrogen, but there aren't those offtake agreements for countries that plan to buy the green hydrogen. So that's an important hurdle, and, of course, it needs a lot of water. Mm -hmm. And water is a scarce resource, especially in Africa. So desalination plants will have to be uh, set up, which is a big investment. Um, so that could also be uh, just a stumbling block, but not a, not a dead end. Well, Jacques, it's been a pleasure hearing from you with this. I think it's very important to be looking ahead already. Thank you for your time. That was Jacques now. He's head of Africa Macro at Oxford Economics Africa.